could he do that? Are you on What? Charles Darwin. The nerves is where it's at. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brabber and alongside me is Logan Camden. And today we have quite the week of NFL action to reflect on. We're coming to you all on a Wednesday and part of the reason for that is that it felt like far and away the biggest game this week was what we ended up seeing on Monday night between the Bills and the Pats. Obviously a battle for AFC East supremacy, two teams that have kind of been trending in opposite directions ended up being a pretty miserable watch, and as a Bills fan had me listening to a very depressing playlist after the game featuring classics such as Sad by Tentacion, Hurt by Johnny Cash, Marvin's Room by Drake. But from a perspective other than that, Logan, what were some of your major takeaways from that game? I mean, my biggest takeaway is I just, I still don't feel like the Patriots are that much of a better team than Buffalo. I still think that Buffalo is one of the best teams in the AFC. Um, Josh Allen gets the Bills into scoring territory three times in the second half. They come away with six points. It's an anomaly game with the weather the way it was. Like, I think, I mean, I really do think, Carson, that it was just a nightmare game for Buffalo conditions-wise. Like, they are a team built on deep balls, on Josh Allen just dissecting defenses. And when there are conditions like this, the snow, it's a game that is going to be built for the Patriots to win. They're a ground-heavy team. They throw a lot of short passes. Mac Jones literally throws three balls in this game. Like, I just did not come away from this game feeling like the Patriots were that much better. You take away sack yardage and the Bills outgain and get more first downs than New England. I just don't feel like the Patriots are a better team. Do they have a better run game? Without a doubt. Or do they have a better defense? Maybe, but it's still really close. And at some point in the playoffs, I've been harping on this point all season long with Mac Jones. I said this immediately after the game in our group chat. You're going to need a big Mac drive at some point in the playoffs, and I don't know if he's going to be able to produce. There is a lack of a big play threat. There is a lack of big playability with Mac. And Carson, for context, during this Patriots winning streak that they have been on, they have had one back-and-forth game. That was with the Chargers. Adrian Phillips closed that one out, not Mac. During their winning streak, they have only trailed three times in the first halves versus the Panthers and the Browns and periodically throughout that Chargers game. The point that I'm getting at here is we have yet to see this team and Mac truly have their backs against the walls and in a sweaty situation. And like, I know Buffalo's been bad, but they have a quarterback that I trust to engineer drives and go out and win football games. And I still think that matters in the scope of what's going to happen in the playoffs. I still think that that edge matters. And I still think, again, I know they've been abysmal. You know this better than anybody else, Carson, as a diehard Buffalo Bills fan. You have been saying this all season long, and I completely agree with you. I still think they have the highest ceiling to reach of any team in football. And we are going to see, Carson, we are going to see if this Bills team can do it because it is gut check time. Their backs are against the walls. Mm-hmm. These next four games are going to test the metal of this team. They are not fighting for just the division. While it seems out of reach, they are fighting for a playoff spot. Like, if the Bills are going to reach that ceiling, if the Bills are going to prove that they are the team to beat in the AFC, it is going to be in the next four weeks because it is gut check time. It is 
it's caged beast time, man. And we have got to see that beast come out and dominate these uh, next four weeks. Um, like I said, man, it's it's playoff football these next four weeks for the Bills. Yeah. The thing is, gut check time really should have already started for this team. This was as much of a must-win game as a regular season contest can be. When you just think about, obviously, the dynamics where it's the surging Pats, it's a franchise that historically has so consistently had the Bills number, Buffalo has had some up-and-down performances, and then the practical stakes, which is very likely a division title. I mean, this was a massive game for the Bills, keeping their hopes alive in that respect, because now you're a game and a half back, you have the tougher game remaining on your schedule, having to go to Tampa, and you have to go to New England. Like, that's a lot of ground to make up in the remaining weeks for them. So this was a must-win game, it felt like, and they did not step up. I agree with you in the sense that I don't think you can come away from this game and be like, wow, look at how amazing the Pats are. And Sean McDermott said after the game, let's not give Bill Belichick more credit than is needed here. And I don't think he can say that in that moment because he's a head coach who just lost a game in which the opposing team passed the ball three times. But I do still think he's right. I mean, this wasn't a brilliant schematic game from Belichick. This was... I mean, clearly they had their identity. They knew what they intended to do. And then the Bills failed to convert on some opportunities they had to win this game. Let's tell it like it is, Carson. Bill Belichick schemed this game because he was afraid of what Josh Allen could do if he had the ball a lot. And I think he did do mm-hmm. it. They just didn't convert in the end, like you said. Like, yeah. this was a ball control game in which, yes, it's not a brilliantly scheme plan. It's let's keep the ball out of Josh Allen's hands because he's going to beat us if we give him enough opportunities. Yeah, and uh, I think that if you look at how this game progressed, obviously you have the broken Damian Harris run for 64 yards. That was a major lapse on the Bills' defense. You have another big third down conversion that put them in field goal range in that first half. But in the second half, the Bills' defense really made timely plays. I mean, they held the Pats to 2 of 12 on third down conversions overall. They held them to three points in the second half, and... The Bills end up getting 10 points out of four red zone trips. So that is really where this game is decided. So I agree with you. It's not a mastermind performance by the Pats. It's not like they severely outplayed the Bills. And I think it is very, very telling what a coach lets their quarterback do in a high-stakes game like this when the conditions are suboptimal, to say the least. And what did Bill Belichick do with Mac Jones? He had him throw the ball three times. And you can say, hey, well, they were running the ball with success and it was enough to get them the win. Those are true, but they're also kind of circumstantial facts because by the end of the game, they weren't running the ball at with the same level of success. And the Bills, again, had two drives in the fourth quarter where if Tyler Bass makes that first field goal, the Bills are right back in field goal range and they can win that game. And I don't think anybody in the world would have trusted Mac to then go down the field and engineer some masterful drive. And that was with the wind. So that is a meaningful limitation if you are talking about a team as a contender. If you do not believe your quarterback can go out there and engineer those big-time drives and lead you in comeback situations and throw for 350 yards if he needs to, then guess what? That really puts a limit on you. So I think the Pats are a really, really good all-around football team but I still think they are just okay at the quarterback position. Not by rookie standards. Mac Jones is a very good rookie quarterback, but he is not a very good NFL quarterback, period. 
And that's going to be a limitation for this team. But I don't think we can continue to pretend that it's like, oh, the Bills are the better team in all these games and it's like just a matter of it all clicking and they still deserve the benefit of the doubt because you can only underachieve so many times before it just becomes the level that you play at. And it's really, really troubling. And you talk about how this matchup favors the Pats. Sure, but you need to be able to play multiple styles as a football team. You cannot go into a game with 30-mile-an-hour wins and have your running backs carry 19 times for 60 yards. Like, that's just a limitation that the Bills have that is troubling. No, I mean, it's an excellent point, and uh, I believe, I think Colin and Nick Wright were talking about this on uh, on the herd, and he made a good point. A team like Buffalo that plays in these super cold conditions, you need to have a ground game for situations like this when the air attack is going to go. And I agree. That is a major issue. We still need Josh Allen to have a run game to rely on because this offense is so one-dimensional and so heavy on Josh. I agree that it's still a persistent issue. What I disagree with is you talking about this becoming the new standard for Buffalo. I just think it's been a bad five weeks. I think they've just been really turnover and mistake prone. They've got 12 turnovers over the last five weeks. That's the most in the NFL over that time span. Buffalo's two and three. But like, I don't know, man. I think... I do think it's a matter of just turning up and just hitting that switch, Carson. This is, in my opinion, a top-five defensive unit in football. I think you saw what Buffalo can do against the run. Matt Milano getting back there and stuffing Damian Harris late in that game. They just got better as the game went along. This is a secondary and a defense that still has yet to allow a 300-yard passing game from an opposing quarterback. They've got eight TDs to 16 picks uh, on defense on the season. Like, I don't know, man. I really do think this is a matter. I agree. The Bills are not without issues, and I think the running game matters, but I just think it's a matter of hitting their stride, man. And I really think, I still, I am still going to, I know I'm an internal optimist. I'm still going to hold out hope that this Bills team can just hit it in these last four weeks, man. Well, they should be the best team in the AFC. And that's what I have said from before the year. But I am done presumptively giving them that title because they haven't earned it. And there are real flaws on this football team. I mean, the offensive line play has just not been up to par. It's not good enough. And Josh, this year has been pressured on 25% of passing plays. That's up from under 22% last year. It's not an insane rate, but it's the 12th worst among all qualified passers. And if you look at the elite teams in football, not a single one of their quarterbacks is among the top 18 guys as far as the pressure rate that they're facing. And I think that you just see there are spots where Josh is forced out of the pocket too early and he has just made more mistakes this year than he has in years past. And I don't think you can look at that turnover number over the past five weeks and say, well, that's a fluke. That's not going to be continued because when you can't run the ball, when you don't have a good offensive line, and when you have a quarterback who is prone to trying to make magic happen, guess what? He's going to have to make some mistakes. And I thought... He played, really, a pretty exceptional game given the circumstances on Monday. Again, the opposing quarterback threw three times, and he was getting it done on the ground. He made some big-time throws through that wind. It's just incredibly difficult, obviously, to execute. But he is not being put in a position to succeed. He is not playing as well as he did last year. The defense, yeah, against the pass has been really good, and the secondary is really good. But... I don't think you can just neglect some of the issues they've had against the run. I mean, 
I think that, yes, they progressed, and Matt Milano had a couple of unbelievable plays, sure, but there were too many spots in which the Pats are getting easy push off the line, or the Bills couldn't bring Ramondre Stevenson down on first contact. And yeah, he's an exceptionally tough guy to tackle, but it was just all day long. So it's not like this loss falls on the defense because, again, they held the opposing team to 14 points, and the Bills were still in position to win when all was said and done. But even a win in this game, I don't think would have been super convincing or impressive. Like, yeah, it always matters to win against a good team in conditions like that. But this is a flawed team. And you take Josh Allen out, they have 978 rushing yards this year. And the only team with less total yards than that this year is the Houston Texans. Not totally fair, obviously, because every team is going to get some amount of yardage production from their quarterbacks. But for most teams, it's pretty darn small. And for the Bills, it's 400-plus yards. So... I just don't feel like they have actually corrected all the issues that I expected in the same way. They came out of the gate. They were running the ball well. Their pass rush was ferocious. And it was like, hey, those were kind of the two things last year. And they still do a lot of things well, but they still have some major flaws and they haven't done anything consistently enough. And so I'm just concerned about where they're at as a team. And yes, sure. They could still flip the switch. They could still be the best team in the AFC, especially given how flawed everybody else in the conference is. But it's just a lot to ask when we haven't seen it except for short spurts and outlier games. And for the most part, I mean, they've preyed upon awful teams, dude. When they have played against good football teams, they have kind of gotten it handed to them. I mean, I think that they played a very even game with the Titans, probably even outplayed them by a little bit. But guess what? They lost. They got manhandled by the Colts. Obviously, we just saw them lose to the Pats. And so their quality win on the year is over the Chiefs, who were playing unbelievably bad defense at that time. And then what? A blowout over a Saints team that has lost five straight games? Like, they're just not the football team they were supposed to be. That doesn't mean they can't be really good. But this should have been a 14-win team. This should have been the AFC favorite. This should have been easily a top 10 team on both sides of the football. And I understand the numbers will still say that they are in totality over this year. But that's because of these games against awful teams. And just nothing has been consistent enough. And I'm very, very disappointed. I mean, I agree with you. It's it's definitely an issue against good teams. They're 1-4 and four, uh, against teams with a winning record. It's abysmal. Their only win, like you said, coming against the Chiefs. Let me ask you this. Do the Bills miss the playoffs? No, the Bills will be in the playoffs. I mean, there are two very losable games still on their schedule, two games in which they will probably be underdogs going to Tampa and to New England. But they've got to win their other three, Carolina, Atlanta, and the Jets. And then I think they'll have a very legitimate chance against both Tampa and New England, and they could split those games. If they miss the playoffs, though, I mean, it's really difficult to describe how massive of a failure of a season this would be because you would look back at some of the missed opportunities, man, like that Titans game, right, where you are right there, like the Steelers game where you are beaten because they played, frankly, I think still their worst football game of the year. I mean, that was unbelievably bad stuff. That includes a loss to the Jags. I mean, I guess those two are kind of on par, and you get beaten basically because of a pump block return for a touchdown. You lost the game to the Jacksonville Jaguars in which you scored six points. Like, you're going to look back at those moments. This Pats game, 
you have to look back at. Because again, if Tyler Bass makes a 30-something yard field goal, and yeah, there's a lot of wind, but still, then you get back in the red zone on the next possession, you can take a field goal, and you're winning that football game. So those are four games that were very, very winnable, in which it's not like the other, the opponent was, oh my God, how fantastic, where the Bills just went out there and didn't play up to their standards and lost. I mean, who do you put most of the blame on? Does it lie on Josh's shoulders? No, I don't think so. I mean, sure, he could and should have been better, and he has not played up to the level that he did last year, but the guy has still been pretty darn good overall. I just think it's, like I said, the offensive line play, the inability to consistently run the ball, and then I think that we've seen them get bit by untimely turnovers, We've seen them bit by, you know, at times the defense not playing up to its maximum potential really against the run because you let the Colts go for 264, you let the Pats go for 222, the Titans had a good game on the ground. I just think there's a number of things. Like, it doesn't fall on any one person. So who do you have more confidence in than after this game, Pats or Bills? More confidence in? In what sense? Because it's weird. If you were going to ask me to pick which team I still think would have a better chance of going to the Super Bowl I honestly think the Bills but who do I have more confidence in to win a playoff game the Pats like it's kind of a classic high floor versus high ceiling debate but again you just need to actually see the ceiling at some point and uh, through 12 games just have rarely seen it with Buffalo what about you who would you have more confidence in I completely agree with you, dude. I and it's it's it sucks, man. Because with New England, it's like I can't even go throughout NFL history and point at specific Super Bowls or a specific trend with quarterbacks because it's like, do I see a world in which Mac Jones can win a Super Bowl this season in his rookie year? Absolutely. Like we've seen, this is a very replicable formula. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl with an amazing running game and an amazing defense. Ben Roethlisberger won a Super Bowl in his second season with an amazing running game and one of the best defenses in the NFL. Like, I'm trying to think about more recent examples. Joe Flacco wins a Super Bowl. Tom Brady wins one at a very young age with a good, you know, it's a replicable formula. And I see a world in which Mac Jones can make a deep playoff run and can win a Super Bowl. But I completely agree with you. When you're looking at the the floor and ceiling, like, I, I still think QB play matters because, mm-hmm. again, the point that I hammered home earlier, man, in the playoffs, if the Pats match up, even against like like the Chargers again, like the Patriot or excuse me, like the Bills, like the Chiefs, they're two Bs that are just high octane, can light you up, can score points. And if the Patriots fall behind in a playoff game, Carson, I do not trust Mac Jones to claw them back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it really matters, obviously. I mean, few things can singularly determine your potential as a team like quarterback play. We've seen that so many times in recent years. Let me ask you this then, because I think both these teams are in the conversation still for this title, but after the wild year that we have seen from the AFC, who is your favorite in the conference right now? Who knows? I I don't know, dude. I mean, I think it's the beauty in the ugliness of this year's AFC. Every team is so effing flawed. 
like, I, I kind of like it, man. I feel like anybody can win it. Right now, my favorite is still the Buffalo Bills because I'm riding with Josh Allen, baby. I love that effing guy. I love him. I know that in crunch time, Josh Allen can get the job done. And you can't tell me that he didn't do it against New England. Again, I, I'm not going to stick too much on this game, but again, dude, those circumstances, getting them down in scoring position was just impressive that he was able to do that. So, like, late-game scenarios, I still trust Josh and the Bills more than any other team, and I still think that they are my favorite. After that, like, my entire hierarchy, it goes Bills, Pats, Chiefs, Chargers, Ravens, Titans. And I think any team except for, like, because uh, we're going to get to who our wild card picks are, too. I think any of the top five teams can come out of the AFC, and I genuinely mean that. Like, I think I could see the Chargers getting hot and lighting teams up. They've been so damn inconsistent this season. I can see them lighting it up. I can see the Chiefs getting hot once more and defense not mattering at all and them dropping 35 points on everybody's head en route to another Super Bowl, although Pat's been kind of shaky these past couple weeks. I can see the Pats with their formulaic style just playing the best defense in football and running teams to death and playing ball control, nickel and dime, Patriot football. I don't know, bro. I have no idea who should be my favorite. And the AFC is so damn confusing. But I've said that they are the best team in football or the best team in the AFC. I've stuck with them. I've ridden it out this so far. I still think it's Buffalo, man. I still do. Because I think every team in the AFC is significantly more flawed than them. Again, the Patriots with Mac, the Chiefs with their bad defense, the Chargers with their defense, the Ravens with their bad defense and with Lamar and his struggles, the Titans, no Derrick Henry, Pittsburgh, no offense. Honestly, it's not even who's your favorite, it's who's the least flawed, and I still think Buffalo is the least flawed team in the AFC. Ready? I think, Logan, that the Kansas City Chiefs are the favorites in the AFC again. And here's why. I mean, you're talking about the defense as if it hasn't made more significant strides than any other unit in all of football. As that group has gotten healthy, after obviously they were quite injured to begin the year, they haven't let a team score over 17 in five weeks. They're letting up 11.2 a game over that stretch. They've forced 11 turnovers. And they have also had just six turnovers of their own after that was obviously far and away their biggest issue alongside that abysmal defense to begin the year. And look, they're certainly not perfect. I think their run game is underwhelming. They're 19th in yards on the ground at this point. They don't have a 450-yard rusher. And we have seen teams take away some of the explosive offense that has historically defined the Chiefs. I mean, it's honestly crazy. Mahomes is averaging 7.4 intended air yards per attempt. You compare that to his previous years as a starter. He was 9.1, 8.8, 8.4. Gone from top 12 in the league over those three seasons to 24th this year. Patrick Mahomes, 24th in intended air yards per attempt. But still, he's going to get better. I mean, the turnovers have not stopped, but have dropped off. And I just think we are going to see him find a rhythm and flow as the best player in football. And even though... He has been underwhelming for so much of this year. The Chiefs' offense is still third in yards. They're first in first downs, first in yards per drive. They have the best third down offense. And when you combine with that the fact that this has been a really good defense straight up for almost half the season now, again, when they've been fully healthy, 
if they can keep the turnovers down, which they should be able to do because that was never characteristic of this team, and keep this level of defense up and see progress from Patrick Mahomes and just see him get close to his normal level, I really think that they are the strongest team because they are then left with the least holes. I mean, I'm not doubting their quarterback play. We have seen them win on the back of just pretty good, not necessarily great defense in the past. And we have seen them win without having a fantastic run game. Like, their formula to me right now actually does feel replicable when it all clicks. And the one thing I will say is that maybe the Bills and the Pats match up well against them because those are such great secondaries. And when you talk about taking away the stuff all the way downfield, like we saw the Bills do against the Chiefs actually in their first matchup and like we have seen a few good defensive teams do, yeah, that's not super favorable for Kansas City. And the Pats are also scary because they run the ball well and the Chiefs have been 29th in yards per attempt allowed on the ground. But still, I don't know if the matchup there is enough for me to say, yeah, I'll bet against the team that has Patrick Mahomes and has been the number one scoring defense in football over the last five weeks and winning games even when he hasn't been playing very well. And we know that they can do it and have done it before. Nobody else in the conference has proven that. And I do think that that kind of matters when the teams are as weird as they are, like the Pats and the Bills and everybody else to me is not really in the conversation. I mean, with the Marlon Humphrey injury for the Ravens, I just think they're done. I mean, their secondary is just decimated and they've been brutal against the past this year. Chargers, I don't know, so inconsistent, so flawed in some respects. Honestly, I think the Colts probably have the fourth strongest case in the AFC. Nah. I just think, I don't even think the Colts are going to make the playoffs, man. I think they just started out a little too slow. I, they've got a brutal stretch the rest of the way. they got to play the Patriots and the Cardinals, and I think they lose both of those games. It's just going to take a lot. They need they need to win out to make the playoffs, and I just don't know if I trust to make uh, to see that happen. Like, I think I think they're going to drop the Pats and Cardinals games, and I think that I don't think the Colts are going to make the playoffs. It, I, I agree. I think the Colts are a phenomenal team, and they would be one of my favorites if they make mm -hmm. it. But I don't think they will. I, I do want to touch on. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Chiefs have made a lot of adjustments that have. Uh, you know, that have really improved their defense. And I want to give them credit for it. Uh, they waited. Once Frank Clark and Willie Gay got healthy, we've seen a jump. They move Chris Jones inside. They acquire Melvin Ingram and throw him on the outside. He's been dominant. Juan Thornhill has stepped in over Daniel Sorensen. And I think the biggest thing that the Chiefs have changed is what you touched on briefly offensively, and that's that Mahomes in this offense, it's low scoring. It's less impressive than these you know, 40-point showings, these 35-point showings, they're going to a lot more of the short stuff. You know what I mean? Like, early on in the season, it seemed like Mahomes was trying to win the game in one play, always looking for the deep shot, and they've moved to a more nickel-and-dime, short kind of style of offense, and I think that works. I just, I don't know, man. I need to see, I get, I get that the defense has made a lot of adjustments, like I mentioned, that the defense has looked a lot better over these past few weeks. I still question them in the red zone. I still question them on third downs, and I just want them I just want them to show that they can do it. I don't know, man, against the top offense. Like you know, I like they do it to Jordan Love and the Packers. They slow down Daniel Jones and the Giants, the middling Raiders. Maybe you can make an argument that yeah, it was super impressive they did it against Dallas. I don't know. I want to see it more consistently. If they can shut down the Chargers and the Bengals, maybe I'll hop on the boat. I'm 
Maybe it's just my bias, too. Dude, I do not want to see the Chiefs get to another Super Bowl, dude. I'm tired of them already, bruh. Yeah, well, you don't want to hear it from Gabe Swartz. That's what this is. They're abhorrent. Chiefs fans yeah. are so annoying, bruh. Yeah, I can agree. <laughs> well, hey, I can agree, but that's not really justification for them not being the favorite in the AFC, and... I just can't pick the Bills at this point, dude. Like, I'm not going to be that guy, okay? And maybe it's because I have an additional attachment to the team and I just don't want to be like the Bills fan who is undyingly believing in the Bills when it doesn't make sense. But I'm not going to be that guy because they have not proven that they deserve that level of respect this year. So I'm not going to give it to them. And the Chiefs are really trending in the right direction still without playing nearly their best football. And so uh, there's a difference between not playing your best football and still winning games and not playing your best football and losing games in really ugly ways. And that's the difference between the Chiefs and the Bills right now. So I will give it to the former. And then the Pats, I think, are clearly among the top three. And look, may be able to exploit a team like the Chiefs again. If they can force a couple turnovers and if they can limit the dynamism of that Chiefs offense downfield and then run the ball for 200 yards, they could win without an exceptional Mac game. That would suck. I don't want to see it. I don't like watching the Patriots play. I don't think it's exciting football. I don't know how you could. Uh, and frankly, I thought on Monday it was kind of cowardly football. But guess what? That may be all that they need to win because they're just not going to beat themselves. And there's such a real chance that the Chiefs and the Bills and pretty much everybody else in the AFC does. So I don't want to see it, man. I would hate to see the Pats in the Super Bowl, truly. But it's possible. All right, so you mentioned there your thoughts on the Colts' wildcard chances. We do have quite an interesting race heating up out in the AFC. Right now, it's the Chargers, the Bengals, and the Bills in those wildcard spots, all 7-5. and five. Who do you think ends up there, though? Um, so my three teams, I have the Bills, the Chargers, and the Steelers, and I want to see Buffalo win this division, and there's still a way that can happen. Obviously, they have to win the head-to-head -head matchup. Um, obviously, they kind of have to win out. They've got to beat the Bucks this week. They've got to also beat, um, who are their two easy games? they got to take down the Falcons, the Jets, and the Panthers as well. There's still a route for them to win the division. I'm pulling for it. I just want to see New England have to have the toughest road possible. Uh, they've got a bye. The Patriots have a bye this week. Then they travel to Indianapolis. So, in theory, if they lose to Indianapolis and they lose to Buffalo head-to-head, -head, it can open a window for Buffalo to win this division. I'm not going to bet on it, though. I'm still going to count on Buffalo being a wild-card team. I think it's a must-win. I think they have to split the bucks pats game, and I think they have to win these other three games. But I think they get in... The debate between these next four teams, in my opinion, are really interesting. I X'd out the Browns and the Broncos. I just don't think the Broncos have it offensively to contend to make it the rest of the way. The Browns, I just don't believe in them. I don't believe in Baker. I think it's between the Bengals, Colts, Chargers, and Steelers. I'm going with the Chargers a little bit because of schedule. I think they've got three pretty easy games against the Giants, or four Giants, Texans, Broncos, and Raiders. When this offense is hitting, dude... It's kind of Chiefs-esque, isn't it, Carson? Like, there are just weapons all over the field. Austin Eckler always open in the flats. You've got Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. Um, 
that Bryant dude too, dude, 6'8", that guy is a freak, man. Like, the vertical passing attack in Los Angeles is second to none, dude. When it is hitting, the Chargers have one of the best offenses in football. And I just think, I know they've been inconsistent. It has been up and down. It's either they show up or they don't. If the Chargers manage to show up, I think it's an easy shoe in for the playoffs. Obviously, the hardest one to justify here is my Pittsburgh Steelers. And look, I'm not going to try to tell you, Carson, that the Steelers are... We suck. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. We're a shitty team. But we just do enough. Like, our expected win-loss on Pro Football Reference, Carson, is 5-7 and seven right now. We have the 21st-ranked offense. We have the 21st-ranked defense. We just do enough. We beat the Ravens by one point. We tie the Lions. Like, dude, it's been ugly, bruh. We beat the Browns by five. We beat the Bears by two. We just do enough. And it's going to be a tough-ass game against Minnesota, man. We've got Joe Hayden out. We've got Spillane out. Joe Hayden is such an important cog in our secondary, man. Like, it's a short week with a sore Ben Roethlisberger. I'm not going to lie to you, bro. This Thursday night game kind of spells disaster for us. And if we lose this one, I think we're kind of out of the race altogether. But... If we can outlast this week, we get a full, we get a fully healthy defense back. We have Schobert, Watt, um, Minka will be back fully healthy. I'm just going to put my faith in this defense to do enough for TJ Watt to clamp up in the big moments and make big plays and for Ben and this offense to do enough. I know it's not a likely outcome, but look, man, I know we've got to, some tough games too against the Chiefs, Titans. We got to play the Rave. Like, it's a brutal schedule down this stretch. But Mike Tomlin's done it before. Big Ben has done it before. And hey, I made that video in the preseason, Carson, about Big Ben. We did enough. We made one final drive, bro. We engineered one drive against the Ravens. That's kind of Ben's limitations now, is that we can make one drive with DJ and the boys. I think we're going to do it. I said at the midway point that the Steelers would what would make the playoffs and that the Browns wouldn't. We bet on that. That's correct, right? I think the bet was that the Steelers... I don't remember what the bet was exactly. There was something involving maybe the Browns getting to nine wins. Don't remember exactly. Something like that. I think it was something along those lines. Well, it's a brutal-ass schedule, but I'm riding with them. Carson, you said you don't want to believe in blind faith for your team and be a homer. I'll do it. Pittsburgh's going to make the playoffs. We're going to get ousted in the first round. Ben will probably throw five interceptions in his last game ever, but you know what? It'll (laughs) be a glorious ride. Um, I don't know, man. There's not really a compelling argument I can make for Pittsburgh. We kind of do the bare minimum to get wins and then move on, and that's what I expect out of these last last five weeks. We're going to do the bare minimum to get into the playoffs, to win these games, and somehow sneak in there. Yeah, this is pretty bold. Okay, here's what the bet was. There were two. You bet the Steelers would make the playoffs. I bet the over on the Browns eight and a half wins. Interesting. Yeah, I don't agree with this take. I mean, I just think you look at the remaining schedule. I don't know that the Steelers are the better team in any of these games, and three of them are on the road. It's the fourth toughest strength of schedule remaining. I just don't see it, man. I think it's much more likely that the Steelers win one to two of these games than it is they win three. And they might have to win four, dude, because of the tie. And that's not happening. So I don't think that the Steelers have a very strong case. I agree with you about the Bills. 
I agree with you about the Chargers as far as them getting in. And then I actually do think that the Colts probably have the best chance to get in because, yes, they have two really tough games remaining on their schedule, playing the Pats, going to Arizona, as you mentioned. But they have been so unbelievably impressive as of late. I mean, 6-2 and two since the 1-4 and four start. Only losses in that time are an overtime to a then-healthy Titans team and by a touchdown to the Bucks when they led for most of that game. They've been the number four scoring offense on the year, the number 10 scoring defense. They consistently win the turnover margin by a lot. I think they force the most turnovers in football. They run the ball as well as anybody. It's just a very solid formula that is going to beat a majority of teams. And again, two really tough games left for them. But I think that if you look at what the Bengals have to go through, it's harder. I mean, they have to go Niners to Denver, Ravens, Chiefs, to the Browns. That's the sixth toughest strength of schedule remaining, and I think they could easily and probably will, if I had to pick a number, lose three of those games just because they've been so wildly inconsistent. They're just not as good of a team as the Colts right now. And if they both go 9-8, and eight, if the Bengals lose both of their divisional games to the Ravens and to the Browns, then Colts have the tiebreaker, Colts get in. And I think that that's a very possible outcome. So I'm just going to bet on the team that I believe in more there. And uh, outside of that group, I don't think that there's really anybody that we need to discuss. I agree with you for the most part. I mean, the Browns always have a chance, but it's a pretty tough schedule. I mean, there's no gimmies for them down the stretch here. Ravens, Raiders, at Packers, at Steelers, Bengals. You know, they could very well go 3-2 and two in those games, and maybe 9-8 and eight is enough to get in, and then you're relying on some tiebreakers. I just wouldn't bet on it. I think the Colts are the best team, clearly, out of that pack, and for that reason, I am going to bet on them. I'm going to be genuinely upset if the Colts don't make the playoffs, yeah, man. that would suck. Like, I, they've been... You talk about how, you know, they've been good of late. I think they've been good all season long, man. Like, they just... Uh, kind of unlucky in that Tennessee game that went to OT, lose a heartbreaker in OT to the Ravens. Mm -hmm. Like, you flip both of those games, and they're a shoe-in playoff team, maybe a winner to this division, you know? Like, this is a dominant defense. Like, they are – they get the pass rush home, man. They've – they forced a turnover in literally every game this season. I just – I really like what the Colts are doing. They've made Carson Wentz efficient again. He's had a really good bounce-back season. Jonathan Taylor has been outstanding, genuine MVP candidate. Like, I think he might be my offensive player of the year, and I don't know if it's close. I'm just going to be really upset, man, because I just the Colts are so clearly one of the best teams in the AFC. And you talk about them as, like, uh, your contenders, your favorite. Carson, I agree with you. If the Colts get in, they are my fourth or third team mm -hmm. because they've just been dominant down the stretch. So I want to see them get in. I just think... I think they drop both games to the Pats and Cardinals, and from then on, I just don't think they can bounce back in. That would be a bummer because, like you said, even early in the year where they start 0-3 and then 1-4, there's almost no bad losses. I mean, it is to all very solid playoff teams by one possession, the only exception being a 12-point loss to the Seahawks in Week 1. Like, since then, they have either won often convincingly or lost very close games to very good teams. So 
it would be a bummer to not see them get in. So the AFC, I think we have a number of legitimately strong candidates. The NFC, I don't know, man, feels a little bit different. So who would your picks be in the other conference? Difference a good point. I think there's a five-team race for the three spots. I'll list out, like, who cares about the NFC South? The Saints suck. The Panthers suck. The Falcons suck. We can ask those. They, they have no business being in this conversation. They have no chance of making the playoffs. Cam Newton, we saw his limitations last week. Goes 5 of 21, two picks. The Panthers' boat is sunk. The Saints are rocking with another fake quarterback in Taysom Hill. And the Falcons... Like I said, who cares, bro? Matt Ryan, I think uh, I think Bryce Young and Mac Jones both have more wins in Mercedes-Benz Stadium than Matt Ryan this season. So hats off, Matty Ice. The five-team race, the football team, Vikings, Niners, Eagles, and Rams. Rams are a shoe-in. I still think they are one of the best teams in the NFC. They have Super Bowl aspirations from the wild card spot. The Bucks did it last year. There's definitely a world in which I see these pieces gel together and get it done the rest of the way. They take on the Cardinals, Seahawks, Vikings, Ravens, and Niners. I'll admit, that is a tough, tough schedule. Like, even the Seahawks, man. You throw Russell Wilson into the mix, and he can go out there and mm-hmm. win you a game. The Niners always play the Rams really well. Uh, we saw what they did to him a couple weeks back. Like, I see a world in which they drop a couple of these games, and it gets tight, but I just think the Rams are head and shoulders above, uh, above the rest of the teams out here. I have the Eagles getting in over the football team. Like, I don't get it, man. I was on the football team hype train before the season. I made one of the worst predictions in NFL history saying that the football team was going to win 11 games with Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm. I still regret that. Um, I'm out on the football team, though, dude. I Logan Thomas is out for the year, tears his ACL and MCL. He's an imperative cog of this offense. It's just a... I'm trying to think. It's like a monster mash. It's just weird offensive pieces the defense has gotten a lot better as the season's gone along but I don't believe in them the Eagles though I believe in we were big Eagles supporters before the season started I believe in them if it's Minshew at QB if it is Jalen Hurts at quarterback I don't care man I believe in this team Boston Scott uh or and Miles Sanders have been good all season long Boston Scott's been really good as of late uh Devonta Smith has been great like They're not an outstanding team, but they play the football team twice, and I think they win both of those games. I think they're just a flat-out better team. They play the Giants. Mike Glennon could be playing in that game. I think the Eagles win that. So I think they win three of four, and I do think that a win against the Cowboys isn't off the table. So Rams and Eagles are in, and it's tough, man, because I think the Vikings are really good, Carson. I really do. Uh, I think this offense is phenomenal. But you play the Rams, Packers, and you play the Steelers this week, and I think those are really losable games. And the 49ers just have an easier schedule. Um, They've got the Falcons, Texans. I think those are easy wins. They play the Titans. I think that they play ball control, possession uh, football against them. I think they win that game. The Bengals and Rams are tough, but I think they can play physical. And I just think as they have gotten healthier throughout this season, as they have reestablished and refound their identity, I just think the I think that's it. I think the 49ers have just found their identity again. I was talking about how I thought they may be a genuine contender. I think they should have beat the Seahawks. Like, outside of, what, a fake punt and a, a couple of bad turnovers? And I know the Niners forced some turnovers on their end, too. The Niners should have won that game. Like, I still think the Niners are one of the best teams in the NFC. So my official picks are Rams, Eagles, and Niners. And I think the Vikings barely miss out, even though they are a phenomenal offense. Yeah, I'm conflicted, man. And I think 
there's a very real chance, if not a uh, more than 50% chance, like I think it might be probable that we have an eight-win team in the playoffs from the NFC. Just because like you look at the teams who are in the mix, I don't know, man. Yeah, the Niners schedule easier than the Vikings, but they're still going to Cincinnati, to Tennessee, and to LA. They go one and two in those games. I think that that's a win for them. Bengals are overrated. San Francisco is going to roll. Okay. I just don't know how you could bet on that. Bengals have been so inconsistent, but I mean, their two weeks before this past one against the Chargers were dominant victories over legitimately solid teams, one of which being your Pittsburgh Steelers. So I I don't know. I'm going to bet on the Niners because I think that they are the best team out of this bunch. I agree with you about the football team, man. I just don't see what they do exceptionally well. And I think that the Vikings are so much better than the Eagles. Like, their offense is just leaps and bounds ahead. But at the same time, I mean, the Eagles over the next three weeks play the football team twice and the Giants. Like, the Eagles are not good, dude. They don't have a good win, like, outside of, I guess, blowing out the Broncos all year. They have just beaten some atrocious teams, and they've still lost to, uh, I mean, the Giants the other week in a hideous game. I just don't really like it. I think that they're not super reliable, even though they have started to run the ball a whole lot better as the year has gone along. I, I'm just not really impressed by them, but I do think that the schedule favors them, and they have certainly a better path to nine wins. I don't really know how the Vikings get to nine wins. I think that's pretty tough. So I think I have to agree with your three choices, but... Boy, does it suck to be a Minnesota Vikings fan, man. Especially because if they had beaten the Lions this week, I think that they would be the choice. But, alas, they did not. They lost to the Detroit Lions. Outside of L.A., do you think any of these uh, other wildcard teams or prospective wildcard teams have, like, deep playoff runs in them? No. The Niners could win a playoff game, I think if they sort of follow the formula that you laid out there where we see them really run the ball with a ton of success and they dominate in that way. But I don't see the ceiling of multiple playoff wins consecutively from them just because I don't trust the quarterback play enough. Defense hasn't been great enough this year. So I think it's really just the Rams. I mean, the NFC is so top-heavy, very different from the AFC, obviously, where you have the much better depth in the AFC, but the teams at the top are all so deeply flawed. NFC, you have some legitimately great teams at the top, but we are going to see at least one wild card team, in my opinion, that is not very impressive. Do you think I'm too low on the Eagles? I mean, are you offended by that? I just, I haven't been extremely impressed. I'm not offended by it, but I think they're, I don't know, I mean, they're better than the football team, but they're in a different class. I completely agree with you that Minnesota's leaps and bounds yeah. ahead of them. Um, I think they're I think they're a little better than you're letting on, but it's not like I expect them to win a playoff game. If they make it, they're gonna get ran, dude. Yeah, well, that's what we're shaping up for. So that's gonna be a whole ton of fun. Now there is one team in the NFC that certainly had playoff expectations before the year, but is not going to get there, and that is the four and eight Seattle Seahawks, Logan, and they are certainly not where they wanted to be after winning 12 games last year with a 33-year-old Russell Wilson. And we've all heard the talk about 
potentially where he might go even before this year went totally sideways. But what are your expectations for their future and how they go about things from this point forward, given the spot that they're in right now? Oh, it's interesting, man. You know, I've heard a lot of people bag on the Seahawks, and I do want to say, I don't think this season, like I know expectations-wise and results-wise, it's been a letdown, but I don't think, like I just think the Russell Wilson injury uh, derailed them. Like Geno kept them competitive in a few games. They needed to win some of them, the Saints game, the Steelers game. They needed to pull out the Rams game. Like if Russell's healthy for these games, I think that the Seahawks are probably still in the playoff race. But I think that's kind of a microcosm of the issue that me and you have been discussing for the past three years. To set the table here, so to speak, Russell Wilson has been the entirety of the Seahawks organization for the past three years. He's been the entire... He's been the reason they win or lose. He's been the only reason that they've stayed in games. And so... It's tough saying that they need to give him up, but I just think it's full rebuild time, Carson. I think it's I think it's time to move on from Pete Carroll. I think it's time to move on from Russell Wilson and move into a new era of Seahawks football. Like, if they were in a lesser division, like if they were in the NFC East, man, or the NFC South, maybe I'd say keep it rolling because you can win this division. You can't. Mm-hmm. The Rams are going to be competitive next year. The Cardinals are only getting better. The Niners are young and hungry, and they've got a new QB on the rise in Trey Lance. Like, I think you've got to pack it up, and you've got to get ready for the future. Russell Wilson has already come out and said he would waive his no-trade clause for a few organizations. He said he'd consider the Saints, he'd consider the Broncos, and he'd consider the Giants. Him saying that is already an indication that there's turmoil here, that he's upset. We've already known this. So it kind of signifies that he wants out. And also, I do want to say, Pete Carroll deserves full blame for this. Mm-hmm. After uh, the passing of Paul Allen, our rest in peace Seahawks owner, you know, he took over and really got a ton of say in personnel decisions. Like, like, dude, the Jamal Adams trade is incomparably stupid in retrospect. You move from you move Bradley McDougal, the decent safety, two firsts, a third, and a fifth for Jamal Adams. And like you just look at some of the other decisions that Pete has made in his time as general manager and coach. The Jimmy Graham trade, you give up one of the best centers in the league, and I know this is a while back, and they've been successful in spite of these moves since, but you move Max Unger in a first-rounder for Jimmy Graham, who does nothing for this franchise. Uh, The Percy Harvin trade, like, Pete's just made some boneheaded decisions. I think, again, at the forefront of this is the Jamal Adams move where you cannot bring in young talent. It forces your hand in to get Carlos Dunlap, like... I don't know, man. Pete Carroll, I think, just deserves all of the blame for this, for not building up an offensive line to protect Russell Wilson, for not building back this defense. And I'll give him their credit. Jordan Brooks has been phenomenal. The secondary has gotten a lot better. Bobby Wagner has still been phenomenal. And Jamal Adams has done his job. This defense has been a lot better. But I think the issue is just the offensive line. So I think there's a. I think what the Seahawks should do, move on from Russ, Search for your QB of the future, build this offensive lineup, and go from there. And I think you just kind of let everything else stagnate. But I think Russell's out, dude. And off that, I want to hear I want to hear what you think the Seahawks should do as well. But I also think, what do you think is the best and most optimal destination for Russell Wilson? Maybe not even in the ones that he included. I would love to see him go to the Broncos. I mean, I just feel like that's kind of the obvious 
they're just a quarterback away spot. I think that eh, it'd be pretty fun to see him play for the Giants just because, I don't know, that's an organization that I would like to see do well if possible. It would be exciting for the NFL as a whole. But if you are saying, hey, go to the most complete roster with the best weapons, with potentially the best run game out of that group, well, I guess not compared to the Saints, but a solid foundation as a run game. And then with the most talented, best defense, it's got to be the Broncos. And they're a win-now roster that just doesn't have a full-on win-now quarterback. So that would be my choice. But I agree with a lot of what you said. I think that the Seahawks clearly have consistently mismanaged things for the last several years. And it's been a disastrous season, dude. They're 4-8. But since week one, they have been outgained in every single game. They are 31st in yards this year and 31st in yards allowed. That's like the profile of a 1-11 team, not a 4-8 team. And they just do nothing particularly well. And yeah, Russ hasn't nearly played his best football this year, but who cares, dude? We know what he can do, and like, it's just certainly not on him. Yeah, and also off of... um what I was saying with the O-line, dude, there's been no replenishment of weapons over the years. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are great number ones and number twos. But then you look and you got Freddie Swain, Will Disley, and Gerald Everett. Dude, speaking of which, did you see that game last week? Uh, That might have been the worst game I've ever seen <laughs> for a single player ever, bruh. Gerald Everett crapped the bed. A fumble, a drop pass into a pick, bro. Like, that was embarrassing. But, I mean, I don't know how you can put any of this on Russ when he has no O-line up front, when he has one of the worst complimentary running games in football, and he has a complete lack of weapons outside of his top two. Yeah. And you look at the last four years, they've drafted, like, two impactful starters in obviously DK and then Jordan Brooks with the progress that he has made. That just doesn't cut it, bro. They had three picks in this past draft. And so I think that John Schneider, who is still a name, the GM has to be gone. I think Pete Carroll probably has to be gone as well. I mean, he's 70. You know, I think that he's coached enough football in his life. And I wouldn't want to trade Russell Wilson because I don't know how you get appropriate value Mm -hmm. for a Mm -hmm. player like that. But he's 33 years old. And is this roster a year or two away? Are they in like, oh, quick retool and we're contending again next year mode? No, they don't do anything particularly well except for have Russell Wilson. And it's a miracle that they have been able to consistently win 10 games in the previous few years before this one because it just hasn't made sense. And Russ would be so much better served somewhere else. And this team just needs to get the several first-round picks that they will for him. It's not ideal. You're not going to draft the next Russell Wilson, but you need to take what you can get and just add quality football players to your roster because they don't have the assets to do that. They don't have the decision-makers to do that, and they don't have the time to do that because this is a roster that effectively needs a full rebuild, dude, and Russ has just put a Band-Aid on that for a few years, and the Band-Aid has come off, and they suck. Exactly, and I think, look, it sucks. It sucks giving up one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in any scenario, but it's like, as a bad franchise like this, this is the only way that you can recoup and build for the future. 
The Cowboys sucked. They had one guy. They moved Herschel Walker for an entire draft, and guess what? They built a dynasty. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that you're going to get that kind of value out of Russ, but hell, man, I don't think two first is that bad. I don't think a first and a second or a first and a third. If you can recoup that, you can lay the building blocks for a promising future. Let me ask you this then. What would you, like, what is ideal value? Russell's one of the best QBs in football. Like, what is the value that you would ask for? What is the asking price for Wilson? I think you need multiple first-rounders. Like, I don't think three firsts is out of the question, honestly. I know that he's 33, but he's an MVP-level quarterback who last year, for half a season, played as well as he ever has. And I don't think there's any reason to think that he has actually significantly declined in any way. So... That would be what I'm in the ballpark of. Three firsts, and I don't think that that's unreasonable. I would not be happy with a first and a third. Not for Russell Wilson. I mean, he's just too special of a football player. You don't think the age, the only reason I go with a first and third is just because of the age factor, you know? like Yeah, but don't you feel like I he agree. has five very legitimate years left? I mean, you can't ever assume, but I would be semi-comfortable betting on that. I think so, too. I think so, too. It's just for any franchise, which which also makes the, the Jamal Adams trade that much more stupid, yeah, bro. You're giving up two firsts for a safety. I, I just, it's tough for me to think that another franchise, damn, I don't know, man, because it's like if you go out and get Russ, it's like you're, you're opening a Super Bowl window for yourself. Scared money don't make yeah. money. Damn right. Well said, yeah. bro. I mean, if I'm Denver, I'm pulling the mm-hmm. trigger, though. If I'm New Orleans, I'm pulling the trigger. If I'm New York, I might be a little hesitant because yeah. I think they've got a few more holes. What about him in Pittsburgh, though? You know, we throw Mason Rudolph, three firsts in there. Yeah, they're eating, they're eating that up. Well, I don't think anybody wants Mason Rudolph. That's definitely a net negative. But that would be a ton of fun, man. I would be all for Russ in Pittsburgh. I would fully support that. Keep winning games for Mike I- Tomlin. I just, I just want to free Russ, man. I don't care where it is. I want him to go to a winning team. Um, I want to see, what is his contract, though? Does he... Because I don't think it's up for any time soon. Yeah. Yeah, he's locked up through 2023, so... It's going to be interesting, man. Are there any other spots that we haven't named that you would like to see him in? Maybe... Yeah. Carolina I mean that's a team that obviously has the defensive foundation and just doesn't have the quarterback play but I don't know why that would be more appealing than Denver or Pittsburgh because those are just better versions kind of of the same thing I think Denver's the most fun obviously we all heard about Aaron Rodgers before the year I want to see an elite quarterback with that roster clearly they have still found a way to win games even with out that high level quarterback play this year and I would want to see them have an actual chance to contend. That'd be fun. AFC West would also be loaded. So speaking of the AFC West, we've got one more team to discuss today that also has sort of an odd future. Shout out Tyler, the creator and the boys ahead. And that is the Las Vegas Raiders who have kind of done their classic thing this year, man. I mean, there were moments of real promise and, you get off to a strong start, and they're sitting at five and two. Now they're at six and six. 
very reasonably seem to be on pace for another 500 type year like they've kind of been over the last two seasons obviously so much organizational turmoil throughout this season so what does their future hold good pull on the odd future bar Thanks, man. Man, that got me that's got me goofing um I think the Raiders are in a completely different boat than Seattle. Like, I think you could make an argument that, yeah, this team could rebuild, but I just think, I think you've got the foundations of a really competitive team, and I don't think that you need to make that many tweaks. Now, in retrospect, I think it really sucks what happened with the 2020 draft class. Like, I mean, if they just, obviously you couldn't have foreseen some of the circumstances with with rugs, but you blow some of those other picks, like the Damon Arnett pick. I think in retrospect, it really hurts because in my eyes, you like I said, man, you've got the foundations for a really competitive team. You have a criminally underrated pass rushing tandem. I think Max Crosby is one of the best DNs in football, despite only having five sacks. That man is a beast. You've got Ngakwe in the fold. Solomon Thomas is still, you know, really dominant. Like, You've got a really good front four that gets a lot of pressure, and that's good for a defense. Now, they need a complete overhaul of the secondary, and I think you throw a lot of picks um, at that in this next draft. I think you go out and maybe look in free agency at some guys. But it's like, I don't know, man. Outside of rebuilding this secondary and O-line, I don't think they have to do a whole lot to be a really competitive playoff team. You've got a high-octane offense. Hunter Renfro is a slot monster. Darren Waller is arguably the best tight end in football. Brian Edwards is a really consistent three. Like, in my eyes, the Raiders need three things, Carson, or maybe four. One, you need a number one option at wide out, which I think they had at Ruggs in the future just because of that game-breaking speed. Now that he's out of the fold, I think you have to replenish and go get you a new number one. I think you have to rebuild up this offensive line a little bit. I like Alex Leatherwood. I like some of the other young pieces on this line. Three, I think you have to tear down the secondary, build it from the ground up. And then four, I think you need some reinforcements in the linebacking core. But I don't think all of that is enough to say that you need to tear this thing down from the ground up. You have a high-octane offense, a decent, solid running game, and a really good front four. And, I mean, obviously it's been good enough this year to get them to 6-6. Six and six. They're league average right now, but I think if they if they kill this draft next year, I think this could be a really good playoff team next season, man. I really do. I believe in Derek Carr, and he has his flaws. He definitely has his flaws. His pocket awareness is one of them. But I think Derek Carr is a guy you can win some playoff games with, and this front four is good enough to build a defense around. Like, I just, I don't think the Raiders are that far off, Carson. I agree that they're certainly in a different spot. And whereas with the Seahawks, we're talking about the potential of maybe having to move on from Russ. I really don't see a reason to move on from Derek Carr for the Raiders. And yeah, he's very long tenured and hasn't won at the highest level, but there's just no way to look at this team and think that he's the problem. You know the last time that the Raiders had a scoring defense better than 20th in the NFL, Logan? Wait, can, I, can I guess? Please do. All right, I'm channeling a little snake. I'm going to go finger guns moment. I'm going to go 2012. 2006. And they were 18th that year. I mean, <laughs> that is like almost a statistical impossibility. That's over generations of different coaches and completely different rosters. Yeah. 
over 20th? Correct. It has been 15 years since they have been not a bad scoring defense. Even that year, actually, they were still bad. And the few years before that, they were in the 20s and 30s. And then I think the last year that they were like actually respectable was 2002 when they went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. My jaw has not been picked up the floor. Bruh, that is the most mind-blowing NFL stat I think I've ever heard on Nerd Sesh, bruh. Mm-hmm. Carson, that is mind-blowing. Yeah. And listen, I think that it's obviously pretty telling. I mean, that was their Achilles heel last year. They were a very good football team offensively, and they were the number 30 scoring defense. And it was really quite disastrous. And then obviously Paul Gunther got fired, and it was like, okay, is this going to fix anything? And this year they're back to the number 26 scoring defense and have had some really ugly performances in that respect in recent weeks. So until that is resolved, I don't see the super high ceiling for this team. They've been really bad situationally this year, like really atrocious across the board. I want to read out some of these stats because... They're the number 33rd down offense, the number 24 4th down offense, the number 29 red zone offense, and the number 23rd down defense, number 27 4th down defense, and number 32 red zone defense. I mean, atrocious. 20th or worse in all of those categories, your key situational football stats. And so I think really the most important thing that you didn't really touch on is who they actually get as their head coach. Because I think that that is clearly a major issue for this team. And I don't know who the prime candidate is. I don't know if you want to go for a brilliant play caller, like try to pull away an Eric Bieniemy or whatever, one of those offensive minds. Or if you need more of a culture-setting guy, if you need more of a defensively-oriented guy, because I think that clearly that's where the issues have consistently been for this team. I mean, if I can, if I'm taking shots, dude, and I think, I think we've seen a clear trend with the best offenses in the NFL. There is a lot of talent here in, uh, in in Vegas. I'm swinging for the fences on OCs that are just young offensive minds, man. I don't know if you can swing that. Like I'm talking, I'm talking Brian Dable. I am talking. Uh, what's a Chiefs cat's yeah, name? Yeah, I always forget it. I be enemy. I'm swinging for Kellen Moore. Like, I am swinging for a young, brilliant offensive mind. But it's a good point, though, because this defense has been so atrocious for so long. It's like, how do we fix that? Either way, I'm going all in on offense, and I'm going to just try to out-bomb teams. But but that hasn't worked. I mean, they were a top-10 offense last year. But if you let up 30 a yeah, game, it with, doesn't matter. With Gruden running Spider 2Y Banana. Spider Come on, bro. Spider 2Y Banana. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to run Spider 2Y Banana. Yeah, I suppose. I just don't know, man. Like, until they resolve their defensive issues, uh, there's a limited ceiling on this team. Man, I'm reading some articles that are saying Dabo Swinney or Harbaugh. Yeah, I don't know about that yeah, one, bro. I don't know about that either. But I don't know, man. I also am a little skeptical of putting a lot in Biennemi just because I think it's sort of inseparable from Andy Reid, you know? And a guy like Dable, obviously, is the clear play caller. A guy like Kellen Moore is the clear offensive mind. 
Dable also, though, hasn't had quite the year that he did last season. So I don't know. I think that there's a case to be made for multiple different types of hires. But regardless, uh, you're not sticking around with Rich Bisaccia. And uh, you got to really nail that because coaching has just consistently been an issue. So what do you think the Raiders' biggest need is personnel-wise outside of coaching? That's a good question. I mean, I think that I would probably look at improving the secondary just given a lot of issues that they've had against the pass. But, I mean, it's not like they've been great up front against the run. I agree with you about the pass rush. But other than that, uh, I don't know that there's a whole ton to love about the defense overall. And then I do think that offensive line is still an issue. And we'll see what Leatherwood becomes. Obviously, this is his rookie year, but not a very impressive campaign for him. And I know that when it comes to, like, win rates as far as his one-on-one matchups, he's, like, right at the bottom of the league in a lot of categories. So that's not great. But I would probably highlight those few things. But I really do think the coaching element of it is very interesting, very Mm -hmm. important. And you just got to have this organization headed in a different direction because it's ridiculous where they're at right now. I don't know what happens with Mayock. I I think that, you know, did a pretty good job in his first draft getting Max Crosby and Josh Jacobs. And I know there's another quality guy who I was missing. But since then, it hasn't been exceptional. So he's probably a guy that you have to take a look at as well. Yeah, I'm looking back here. Yeah, dude, it has been some... I don't know, though, dude. Like, I I think you're right. That first draft, bringing in Crosby, Renfro, Jacobs... Renfro, that's who it was. Kind of a shit show outside of that, dude. I mean, Nate, I, I will give him credit. This year, a criminally underrated guy, bro. Nate Hobbs has been really good in that secondary. Nate Hobbs has been outstanding, but... Man, dude, for a draft expert, he is whiffed on a lot. I Cleveland Farrell, baby. We need a <laughs> only, only the Raiders, man. Only the Raiders. I, I want to see this team succeed, and I want to see Derek Carr have a really good contending defense, dude. Because I don't know, man. I I genuinely like. I just think that I think Derek Carr is still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And I don't mean I'm not going to give my top five spiel here, but. He's better than league average, and he's fringe top 10. And this is a really good, really talented offense. I want to I see this team be competitive, man. I know Mikey Goody does as well. I know he's sick and tired of it. I'm, I'm pulling for the Raiders, man, and I hope they can put it together in this offseason. Yeah, well, we'll see if they can get it done. Certainly in an interesting spot organizationally. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how everything goes down towards the home stretch of the season here. Obviously, we are now officially at winning time and still kind of a large amount unresolved given where we are at in this NFL season. It's just been a wild ride throughout. So with that, we will be back on Friday talking to you all, doing some NBA stuff, bringing on a special guest friend of ours. So you will not want to miss that. You can always find our content here on our YouTube channel, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. We do podcasts talking NBA, NFL, and some sports history trivia. You can watch those. You can also listen to them on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your audio content. You can also see on our YouTube channel that we do video essays, video breakdowns, generally about the NBA. I just did one on DeMar DeRozan, why he's having his best season ever. 
although he is in COVID protocols now, but go ahead and check that out. Go to our website, nerdsesh.com. You can find all of our content there, audio, video, and some written stuff. You can follow us on social media. Twitter is at nerd underscore sesh. Instagram and TikTok are both at nerdsesh. And with that, as always, I've been Carson Brabber. I've been Logan Camden. And this was Nerdsesh.